Today, we're talking about the tragic situation in Minneapolis after a black man was killed by a police officer during an arrest. The U.S. has hit 100,000 COVID-19 deaths in just four months. And with the pandemic ongoing, we still have to vote this November. We're talking with CEO of Vote at Home, Amber McReynolds, about how we can do that safely. The date, May 28th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey there, friends. I'm Haith Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Casey, I thought that four-day weeks were supposed to feel short, but this has been a fucking week already. Like, holy cow. It has, and every day feels like Thursday and with no Friday (laughs) after it. So it's just uh, not great all around. Thursday. Thursday. What a concept. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, tomorrow actually is Friday, so fingers crossed that we managed to get through this day and that good things actually happen to us tomorrow. Fingers crossed. So this segment is going to be a bit bleak, so apologies in advance. That said, it's time for today's Corona update. Here are three things you need to know. One, as of yesterday, 100,000 Americans have died of the coronavirus, and there are experts who are sure that number is actually too low. It's a milestone that seemed almost unthinkable at the start of the crisis when the president and other public figures were encouraging citizens to go about their lives and just not worry about the virus. The total tally of COVID-19 deaths being used by BuzzFeed News comes from Johns Hopkins University's trackers. But there's still some major holes in that data. That includes figuring out the number of people who died because of COVID-19 but were never tested. Numbers around the country are just starting to dip, but new cases are still being recorded daily in every state. To keep track of it, a new county-by-county tracker on BuzzFeed News can show you where those new spikes are popping up. All right, number two. Somehow, whether or not to wear a face mask in public has become a campaign issue, and of course, the candidates are on opposite sides of the matter. Former Vice President Joe Biden was seen on Monday in public for the first time in weeks wearing a black face mask while attending a Memorial Day ceremony. Meanwhile, President Trump still has not made a habit of wearing masks, nor has he encouraged their use. Earlier this week, Trump told a reporter asking him a question to remove his mask. When the reporter offered to speak up instead, Trump said, oh, so you're being politically correct. And then today, Trump quote tweeted an article from conservative website The Federalist that said, quote, masks aren't about public health, but social control. Image of Biden in black mask endorses culture of silence, slavery and social death in quote. Trump's comment on that quote tweet so many viewpoints, exclamation point. Everything you just said is so truly wild. The masks are here to protect us and to protect others. And Trump is actively getting in the way of that. Yep. Yes, he is. I have no other comment to it except, yes, that is correct. That is an accurate description of what is happening right now. And three. Lawmakers are pissed that their request for data from the CDC on how the coronavirus is affecting minorities was met with basically a shitty blog post. Congress required the CDC to collect national data on the race and ethnicity of COVID-19 cases and deaths, which seems pretty in their wheelhouse. But on May 15th, the day their report was due, the CDC provided just a two and a half page document with links back to their public website. And the data contained at those links is shaky at best. One link goes to the CDC's constantly updating data on coronavirus cases and deaths across the U.S., which Congress could have just Googled. And that page only includes race and ethnicity information for less than half of the 1.7 million people who have tested positive for COVID-19. 
Another link they provided shows data on hospitalizations broken down by race and ethnicity, which is good. But that data only comes from a few hospital networks in just 14 states. Senator Elizabeth Warren tweeted that the CDC should be embarrassed by the lazy and complete 2.5 page copy and paste job it calls a report. Yeah, I mean, Senator Elizabeth Warren is absolutely correct. That tweet sums it up. They knew this report was due and this is what they came up with. It's like you're in college and you stay up all night and the thing you hand in is still only worth a 2.0. That is the comparison right now, I feel. Mm -hmm. So this is normally the time when we do good news, bad news. But today there's something that is too important to not discuss. Things are really bad in Minneapolis right now after a video showing the death of a man named George Floyd while in police custody started circulating around the Internet on Monday. Floyd was a black man who police believed was using counterfeit money. We're not going to play clips from the video, but in it, you can see Floyd handcuffed and on the ground in the street and a white officer with his knee on Floyd's neck. That knee stayed on his neck for nine minutes as onlookers yelled at the cops that he couldn't breathe. He died with that knee on his neck. Floyd's death sparked an outpouring of grief in the community, with people remembering him as someone dedicated to helping the less fortunate. This video of Floyd talking about gun violence in the Black community went around soon after his death, and it just shows what kind of a person he was. Our young generation is clearly lost, man. Clearly lost, man. Like, like I don't even know what to say no more, man. Like, you youngsters just going around, just busting guns, in crowds, kids getting killed. The Minneapolis Police Department has already fired four officers who were involved in the incident. But local activists want charges pressed against those officers. Protests demanding that they be arrested, as well as other reforms be put into place, were met with cops in riot gear who launched tear gas at the crowds despite the ongoing pandemic. Things turned ugly in response last night during the second night of protests, with fires lit in the streets and video of a local Target being ransacked going viral as well. NBC News apparently has body cam footage that was taken while Floyd was dying and is reviewing it as we're recording right now. And that footage is almost sure to spark even more protests. This is just all extremely rage-inducing, especially for the Black community. And it's... I think one thing I saw on Twitter that upset me so much was people who were enraged about the target being ransacked. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, are you sure we shouldn't be focused on how a black man was murdered in the streets? Uh, the last 12 hours, especially 18 hours or so, have been just really a lot. I know that earlier this week we were dealing with the Amy Cooper situation and that it was so ridiculous. It was so transparent what was happening. This woman was calling the police and threatening uh, a black man for telling her to put a leash on her dog. And then not 24 hours later, we have a situation where the police actively kill a person for no good reason. And it's just, I'm tired, Casey, man. I We're in the middle of so much right now. And the fact that we're dealing with this too, this 200 plus year struggle as we're all trying to just survive and not die by virus, to have someone choking in the street on purpose by the people who are supposed to be protecting us, it's almost too much. It is. And you're allowed to be tired and angry and everything else all at once. And furthermore, one of the first things we talked about on this show was the protest demanding that things reopen with people in Michigan, and other states carrying very large guns and taking them to the capital of Mich building in Michigan, for example. And I seem to recall zero people dying or zero tear gas being launched 
during those protests. And surprise, surprise, most of those people were white. Yep, it's very clear. Uh, Exactly what you said. It's very clear that racism is involved on all levels of this. Uh, Thank you for letting me get that off my chest, Casey. Of course. Well, after this break, we've got Amber McReynolds, the CEO of Vote at Home. Be right back. Chief-It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from Chief-It. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. First in the pages of the magazine, then on SI.com, and now that tradition continues on a new podcast. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. We'll ask the questions that we're all wondering and push for the answers we all want. Everything from investigating the Super Bowl's impact on L.A., to examining why booing is as big a part of the fan experience as cheering. Sports Illustrated Weekly is here to bring you the entertaining tales you can't get anywhere else. The kinds of stories that make you smile and laugh, clap and cry, marvel, think, and fall in love with sports all over again. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation And break us off with some bread cause we waiting waiting on reparations reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Welcome back. The coronavirus pandemic in the U.S. began right as the Democratic presidential primary was taking shape. And as it popped up in states holding elections, officials had to grapple with balancing public health with people's right to vote. But one of the main and obvious solutions offered, voting by mail, has been under continued attack. To help us make sense of it all, we're talking with Amber McReynolds. She's the CEO of Vote at Home, an organization dedicated to expanding remote voting options. Hello, Amber. Hi there. So, Amber, for people who haven't had the experience, how does voting by mail usually work? Well, in most states right now in the country, you have to make a request. So you have to file for a request, and and traditionally that is known as absentee voting, or some states refer to it as vote by mail or a mail ballot request. But you have to basically take a step to sign up to receive your ballot at home. Some states like Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Utah, Hawaii, and now California, that's an automatic process. So instead of you having to opt in, it's more of an opt-out process where we send you the ballot in advance of each election. And then if you still want to vote in person, you can do that. But the ballot arrives regardless of you filling out a piece of paper or going through an extra step to get the ballot. 
So according to a poll conducted by Harvard and Harris Insights and Analytics, over 70 percent of Americans support having an entirely vote by mail presidential election this November. And most states already have some kind of mechanism for absentee voting. So um, what's the holdup? Well, look, I I always like to say or describe it this way. I think change tends to be the biggest barrier for any sort of new and innovative way of thinking about a process that has existed for a long period of time. You know, there's been significant adoption in Western states. Like this is sort of our norm. If you talk to voters in, in some of the Western states that have done this for a while, they actually don't know of an alternative system. I also find that I think, you know, when I am going to a legislative body and saying, let's change the system, it's the very system that elected them. So their, their kind of questions are like, well, why would we change it? I won, right? So, um, so I think there's some of that where it's just kind of change is a barrier. And, you know, if you go look at the customer service data and sort of the, the customer experience that a lot of Western states have, uh, you're going to talk to voters and you're going to find that people absolutely love it. And there's very few people that don't appreciate that experience. You know, we rarely see anybody call and say, please don't send me my ballot in the future. That didn't go well for me. Right. So. So just to be clear, this is a state level process that where this is taking place. It's up to the states as it stands right now to figure out whether they're doing vote by mail or you go to a polling place in person. Right. Yeah, so states are responsible for uh, the way that elections are conducted. Uh, Congress does have authority to regulate federal elections, and they've and they've and there's been plenty of instances of that, whether it be the National Voter Registration Act or the Overseas and Military Voting Act. Uh, so there's definitely been situations where Congress has weighed in in terms of of policies and regulations as it pertains to elections. But generally, states run elections, and states dictate the process and method at which that happens. Um, but I do think there is still some congressional uh, 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 places where they could weigh in on, on this particular topic. Of course, we can't talk about this without getting into President Trump. One of his main talking points lately has been that voting by mail is ripe for voter fraud. Is there any truth to that? So voting fraud, and I'll, I'll distinguish that from election fraud for, for a second, it's exceedingly rare, and that's been noted by various research studies. Uh, even the Heritage Foundation's own website has found it, uh, around 1,200 voter fraud-related cases, and of that, 200 and some over a 20-year period relating to vote by mail, with 143 res- resulting in convictions, which comes out to be about 0.0006% of all ballots cast. So Again, exceedingly rare, but that doesn't mean that we don't want to pay attention to it and make sure that the system is secure. And when I say that the system is secure, that that doesn't mean um, just specific to this issue, but it's really about making sure that the system is is secure and can respond and detect any issues that come. So going back to the president, Twitter actually recently put a fact check on a couple of his tweets about voter fraud. And he got really upset about that. He also has been trying to make the case that mail-in ballots help one party more than another. Is that the case? I know. And actually, there's a lot of research studies that have found that that's actually not the case. It benefits all voters. And that's what's important, especially as we move into the fall cycle and, and in the era of the pandemic. We have to be focused on providing a safe, secure, 
accessible voting process that ensures that every single voter can vote in a safe way, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of whether or not they live in the state that they're voting in or not, uh, that these types of processes and this type of method of voting should be available to everyone, regardless of their age and regardless of their circumstances. And I think the other thing that I would say on that is Look, the, the, it's inevitable for vote by mail to increase. We've already seen that across various states. Voters are asking for, for ballots to be mailed to them in record numbers. And so we're trying to help states prepare for that added volume. And I think states have to be very vigilant right now about paying attention to those volume increases and those trends because they need to prepare for the fall in an adequate way and make sure they have supplies and equipment and all those sorts of things uh, on hand. What I'm concerned about now is they might be able to make it through the summer, but there's already we're already seeing budgets being slashed and congressional uh, funding to support those localities so that they can run elections in a safe and secure way is critical. Amber, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so where should people go if they want to learn more about this? Sure. Well, our website is voteathome.org, and we're also on all the social media platforms at Vote at Home and uh, is our Twitter handle. Uh, and we have a ton of resources, research. Uh, we cover everything about voting by mail and Vote at Home. Uh, we've been working on this for a few years, and we have a ton of resources on our website uh, that, can, that can educate the public and, and anyone who's interested in this topic. Perfect. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you. It's time for the list. We absolutely need a break from all of today's extremely bleak news. So as a palate cleanser, we're looking at four celebrities crushing their covers of Sesame Street songs. We mentioned in one of our first episodes that everyone's favorite furry toddler tyrant Elmo would be getting his own semi-late night show on HBO Max. The first one of those aired last night and Little Nas X dropped by to sing Elmo's song. La 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 la, la 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 la, Elmo's song. And that made us want to highlight some of the other times celebrities have come through to perform some of the Muppets of Sesame Street's hits. Number one, Lily Tomlin performing Sing a Song. Sing, sing a song. Make it simple to last your whole life long. Number two, Lady Smith Black Mombazo doing the alphabet with Kermit the Frog. Amazing, beautiful creatures dancing excite the forest glade. In my heart, how I do jump like the do Listen to the music so nicely, organ played. Number three, The Simpsons singing Monster in the Mirror with Grover. Wubba, wubba, wubba. Yes, if you rub me, then I will rub you. If you rub me, then I will rub you. And four, Destiny's Child singing, I Got a New Way to Walk. I got a new way to walk. Walk, walk. I got a new way to walk. Okay, Hayes, these were all truly delightful, but I'm about to say something that I know you're going to make fun of me for. I'm not excited to say it, but uh, all of these were brand new to me because I did not grow up watching Sesame Street. I... Excuse me. No, I'm need to. I need you to no. say that again. Please just say that one more time to make sure I heard it correctly through my no, headphones. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. You heard me, and I know what's happening. Okay, I know that I should have watched it. That's on no, me. No, mostly it's, my it's, parents. It's mostly on your parents. I mean, okay. I just want to say really quickly that you're not alone, Casey. I mean, you're wrong clearly, but you're not alone. My fiance actually has 
come at me similarly with the fact that she barely watched Sesame Street as a kid. Like it was on, she knew it existed, but it was not, <laughs> PBS was just not like the go-to for her as a child. Yeah, it wasn't. Oh man. I got to say, though, I, I feel kind of bad for you because going through some and re- finding some of these clips for this list really took me back to childhood. And I got to say, one of the most fun things that I wish you could experience is going back and figuring out what adult references the show like sprinkles throughout the show (laughs) like the simpsons this was like in the early 90s that clip when the simpsons were like extremely edgy and like it was wild that they got included on this very small children's show (laughs) oh god i don't want to watch it then because i don't want to catch like all like potentially like dirty r-rated things that have been put in there no 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 that's not it that's not it i promise (laughs) it's not that bad it's more like things like uh for example i had no idea that madonna Donna had done a song called Material Girl growing up because I first heard the Sesame Street parody Serial Girl. And so when I learned that those two were the same thing, it blew my dang mind. And Casey, I wish you had that experience. That's truly amazing. I love it so much. Okay, we have time for one more thing. And that thing is the French are launching a personal attack against us and being extremely French about it. Okay, Hayes, what did you do? Are we at war with fucking France because you upset them like you did all of the Big Bang Theory fans yesterday? Uh, A, I'm still right. And B, no, we are not. <laughs> but they have decided to launch a war on podcasts. So you know how picky France is about the French language? Of course. And now all I can think about is that one Pulp Fiction clip. You know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? I mean, they got the metric system. They wouldn't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. What do they call it? They call it the Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. Solid reference. But uh, yeah, they're really particular about what words can be truly French. There's a whole government body called the Commission for the Enrichment of the French Language that gets to decide what words do and don't count. Okay, you have got to get to the point about how this is an attack on us. I'm getting there. (laughs) The commission published a new list of recommendations this week, and they're trying to get rid of a bunch of tech-related words that don't have that certain je ne sais quoi to them. And that includes the word podcast. Okay, so what should Parisians call a podcast now? I'm going to butcher this, so apologies to France, even though this is your fault for starting this. (laughs) They want to call it audio à la demande or... Audio on demand, but French. <laughs> well, uh, France has officially out French themselves. <laughs> Here's your own news, testing it out on people in Paris. They seem pretty unimpressed. Clearly, podcast is better. L'audio à la demande is way too long. Honestly, I can't say I blame them. It's a really bad translate. I, I wouldn't use that if I were that. I would it keep is, saying le just, podcast or whatever. <laughs> it just seems extremely unnecessary. It's like, we get it. You speak French. Okay, cool. France, thank you for giving us at least that during this crisis. The opportunity to make fun of you guys for being so French. Okay, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we're joined by Rob Kinney, whose YouTube show, Dad, How Do I?, teaches all of us useless millennials how to fix the broken things in our lives. And remember, it's not just you. Things really are just hard right now. So thanks for listening to us tell you about it. Be sure to subscribe to Music Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. Then remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock.
Socks are the number one most requested item at homeless shelters. Underwear second and shirts are third. At Bombas, socks were first, made with comfortable details for everyday wearing. Then underwear and shirts too, all designed to perfectly fit. At Bombas, every item you purchase means you're donating an essential clothing item to someone in need. One comfortable clothing item for you, one donated to someone in need. Bombas, comfort for all. Get 20% off your purchase at bombas.com slash comfy. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Have you ever felt depressed about work, only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job, and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant, and I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy, so that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could. At Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't.